I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Newsroom Robots, the podcast where we explore the intersection of artificial intelligence and the news industry. I'm Nikita Roy, data scientist, media entrepreneur, and one of the many founders currently building their ventures at the Harvard Innovation Labs. On the Newsroom Robots, I'm excited to bring you insightful conversations with industry experts about how AI is impacting the way we do journalism. Joining me on the show today is Mark Briggs, the author of the widely used book Journalism Next, now in its fourth edition and used in colleges across the United States. Mark served as a professor of leadership and change management at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, for six years and will be teaching a course on entrepreneurial journalism at the University of Washington in the fall. In today's episode, we discuss the findings of a recent survey on audience perceptions of the use of AI in newsrooms and also delve into how leadership can build an AI-ready newsroom. Hi, Mark. Welcome to Newsroom Robots. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Hi, Nikita. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast, so it's an honor to be here. Oh, thank you. I'm really excited to have you today because your firm, the Smith-Geiger Group, has recently released a survey report that provides valuable insights into how audiences are thinking about artificial intelligence. And I think we've had a lot of conversations on the podcast so far talking about how newsrooms are using AI. But at the end of it, it's all about what audiences are thinking about. They are the center of our work. And so I'm really interested in hearing what were some of the main findings in the report that you came away with? Well, the survey was across the nation, a sample size of 2000. So it was a really nice big sample. And what it told us on the top line is that AI is still a nascent technology in the minds of most people in the audience, that a quarter of people honestly said they had never really heard of this technology that can create this generative version of AI that, of course, in news and journalism, we've been fascinated with for months now. 
So I thought that was a little bit of a surprise. We did learn that about 20% of people had already tried some form of generative AI. And that seemed to be about what I thought would be what we would get. You know, sort of those early adopters is really what you would expect to see in this kind of new technology that um, is transforming so many aspects of our lives. The other piece of it that I we had a good time talking about on the webinar this week was, you know, just the fear around AI. It really has this technophobia aspect to it. And that came through in the research as well, that 60% of attendees, you know, of the webinar said they're even proceeding with caution. And these were leaders and executives from a vast array of media companies. And so even the people who are running the companies who should be moving faster potentially on all of these technologies are taking a slow approach. So still a lot of caution right now. And the other piece of the research, you know, from the doom and gloom side of things, people said that, you know, 60% of the people said that AI will eventually do more harm than good. Oh. But 80% want some limitations to it, you know, some restrictions, maybe, you know, some guidelines or maybe even, you know, some government intervention here, which I think is really interesting and probably would score higher than almost any other facet of our culture. Yeah, I see that doomsday buzz is really kind of hit, gotten into the perception of AI and people are really bringing forward that technophobia. I'm wondering how that's really going to be affecting the adoption of AI, specifically in journalism, as audiences are more concerned about AI and the use of AI and the news that they trust. How are they envisioning AI being used in newsrooms? Well, it, to me, I think it's important to look at this in separate buckets. And so I put the synthetic media and the generative AI functions and possibilities and risks into one separate bucket. And for a lot of organizations right now, I would even advise just put that to the side and think about the other two buckets. One of those buckets is simply processes and workflows, streamlining tasks, automating or assisting with a lot of the you know paperwork, busy work, admin work that we have to do just as information workers. So that's there's an entire bucket of opportunity there. And then the third one, which is the one I think gets the least amount of attention, especially in the news and journalism world, is management, leadership, coaching, training. These are all incredibly important aspects to any organization. And AI is going to actually impact in a positive way, I think, each one of those elements. But we're not even talking about that. So you had Dahlia on your last podcast talking about, you know, this wonderful tools database and all of the things that the partnerships for AI, all those resources that they're building. How does that get into an organization? That's called management and leadership. So focusing on that aspect of this puzzle, I think is really important. Ethan Mollick, the warden professor who's, you know, at the forefront of most of the conversations right now on this topic, recently said that he considers management a technology. And so if you think about management as a technology and that good management will actually increase performance, increase productivity, and really obviously build better cultures, you have to think about how does AI enter an organization and how does an organization utilize it and leverage it to its best abilities in a safe and responsible way. All of that is management and leadership. I want to get into that because that's your expertise in helping management adapt to all of these transformation. We are 
at the cusp of, I think, one of the biggest changes in the way work is being done with AI coming into the mix and especially synthetic AI. What's the biggest advice are you giving management and leadership folks in terms of incorporating the culture of AI into their newsrooms and their companies, getting buy-in from various different stakeholders? One of the topics that we've been talking about in our firm and I, I touched on in the webinar this week is how do you become an AI-ready organization? And as someone who has spent the last, I don't know, decade going deep on organizational effectiveness and working with media companies, I see AI and all of the opportunities as really the ultimate organizational challenge. If you look at the research behind what creates the most successful companies, it really comes down to two things. If you only could pick two, you would pick clarity and you'd pick adaptability. Because if an organization at all levels among all teams is clear on the focus, the direction and the mission, they are going to succeed at a much higher level than organizations who aren't sure what the mission is, aren't sure what our goals and what our priorities are, what's our North Star. All of these elements to an organization come back to leadership. And then adaptability, obviously, when you're turning around and trying to adopt all these different technologies that will touch every team in your organization and every person in your organization, you're going to have to be adaptable. And so I really feel like building that culture already, you know, if you don't already have that, wow, that's, you got a long way to go to get going. If you do have a culture that really prioritizes clarity and adaptability, you're going to be much quicker at being able to adopt these new technologies and leverage them in effective ways. I think the first thing you need to do as an organization right now is organize a team or even a person who's going to be the point for all of this, because there has to be somewhere to go with the ideas, with the questions, with the experimentation that it takes to really sort through all of the tools that are out there and try to figure out what works best for which team. Your human resources team is going to use this differently than your sales team, than your reporting team, than your photography team. It just isn't like, okay, magic button AI, everything gets better. It's going to take so much experimentation and adaptability. And that collaboration is a big part of your organizational effectiveness and a big part of your culture. So this is really going to be a test for organizations on those fronts. And those are things that hopefully people have been working on for years, if not decades. And if not, it's really going to be hard for them to get up to speed and utilize these new technologies in the best way possible. Yeah. And exploring that idea of becoming an AI ready organization more for many traditional outlets, it's taken a long time to even just move to becoming a digital newsroom and becoming a digital publication. Now with AI coming, it's daunting. And there's also a lot of skepticism around that in the industry, a lot of hesitancy to use it, to be openly using AI in workflows, concerns about data privacy. How should newsroom leaders be thinking about all of those concerns, but also trying to stay on top of being innovative and using AI? I think it comes back to something I mentioned recently, is, which is called the lighthouse approach. And it's a wonderful framework that has been around business schools and management consulting for a very long time. And as I said on the webinar this week, if you don't know how to implement the lighthouse approach, you can just ask ChatGPT and it will give you a 12-step <laughs> process to learn how to implement the lighthouse approach in your organization. 
Now, as a management consultant, does that scare me and make me feel like my job is going to be eliminated? Actually, no. It just gives me a sense that, oh, now I can actually help people understand quicker why you might need a management consultant or why you might need this really thought out process for implementing something new like AI. So the reason the lighthouse approach is effective, especially with regard to AI, is what it means is you build your lighthouse, right? You define what that is, and you are able to communicate that to your entire organization and say, this is how we're going to implement AI in our organization. These are the guardrails. These are the guidelines. And this is where you can come with questions. This is where you can come with ideas. We're going to really foster and facilitate this collaboration around sorting through all of the noise that's out there and figure out what makes the most sense for our organization. Because it all comes back to what problem are you trying to solve? What process are you trying to streamline? You know, what news process are you trying to make better? And so looking at it from the problem or the challenge first, and then trying to figure out where AI-assisted tools can help you makes more sense to me than saying, let's go look at all of the AI out there and see where we can fit it into our organization. Because there's just too much and it's moving too fast. That You're not going to be able to really figure out what the landscape looks like and know exactly what would be most useful for your organization. So you have to go from the inside out, I would say. And that's where coming back to that you know, work group or task force or whatever you want to call it is really essential. Because then you know, you're investigative reporting team can come back and say, hey, we really need a tool that will help us scan thousands of documents. Have you guys seen anything? You know, And then now it's an assignment and people spend their time trying to find out what the best tool that would be. And then you have to apply, of course, the framework of what kinds of tools are we going to allow? Did we check the risk on this? Did we check you know, what our protections are on this? Where the privacy arguments are? So it Again, it's going to come back to being a lot of little things, unfortunately. It's not really this sort of one-size-fits-all. Or even this situation that we all had in news and journalism, you know, 20 years ago and 10 years ago when the internet first impacted and disrupted our industry. Think about mobile and when it impacted and disrupted our industry. A lot of news organizations were able to form a product team, build a mobile app, start publishing to smartphones. And that was, you know, fairly siloed. This is not that. This isn't going to be, hey, let's, the AI team is handling it and they're over there in the corner. That just isn't going to work. This has to be touching everybody in the organization. But to get started with that, you have to give everybody a sense of where they can go with their questions and their ideas. And that's why I think the Lighthouse approach is really important. And that's why I think forming a working group and getting started is really important. I really like that approach because it's not siloed anymore and AI is not just this one big giant term that people are all just working on alone and it's really cross-disciplinary and people across different newsrooms and teams are able to kind of bring together their knowledge and share that and that's where I think the real power is. So how with all of these like lots of AI tools keep on coming into the market and promising good. And with this huge landscape that's coming about, I'm overwhelmed. I remember signing up for like a lot of AI tool newsletters in the beginning. And every day now, it seems like there's these new AI tools that keep coming up and you dive into some really interesting tools as well. How are you keeping up with all of that noise and finding out what's good? And how should newsrooms be looking at that landscape of AI tools at the same time? 
It's a great question and a great challenge because I don't believe there is any way you can keep up. There's a website called there's an AI for that.com, which every day I see that it goes up another few hundred tools. It's over 6,000 tools for like 1800 different tasks. There's no way to know everything in there. There's only knowing what you personally or you as a team or you as an organization feel like you could solve with a tool in AI. And then there's the communication and the sharing aspect of it. So I feel like that is just starting to form where people are starting to tell one another how they're using AI. They're starting to ask one another, how are you using it? Have you found a useful tool? And I believe that that is going to help organizations more and more with that kind of sharing. I feel like organizations, leadership probably don't even know who's using what in their organization. And that's a big first step. You need to have an AI asset registry or an AI tool repository or some sort of an Airtable database or whatever you want to do, but allow people and ask them to obviously communicate and sort of raise their hand and say, I'm using this tool for this process and it is working really well, or I tried it and it didn't work at all. So that everyone else knows, don't waste your time with it or definitely start using it. Or maybe it's somewhere in between. But that sharing and that communication around what is working is the only way that people are going to figure out how to sort the, the signal from the noise, because no one's going to ever catch up with everything that's coming out. It just is happening too fast. I like that idea of the AI tool repository. I think that really brings about that sharing and collaboration, that culture that could be established within companies to understand AI and help everybody get on track and on the same board as everyone else and see what people are actually doing. And what I'm really interested in is when you talk about, you touched upon it a bit in your survey report I'd seen about synthetic AI and generative AI. That's the big thing that people are, I think are really excited about right now. Automation has been around. People have been using it, but probably didn't realize that that's what they were doing. So with, with synthetic AI coming about, how do you see newsrooms using that, first of all? And what was your outtake from the report in terms of how public are looking at synthetic AI and being used in newsrooms? I think it's important to look at that question from two different angles. And the first angle, let's talk about the journalism part of it, the public perception, the audience expectation on this. I think people don't understand how much AI they're experiencing every day already. For example, if you have a local news app on your smartphone, there's a good chance you're getting an AI triggered severe weather alert from the National Weather Service. So that's AI content. But consumers in the audience are okay with it. Why? Because it's trusted information and it's useful to them. So that doesn't change. So as you think about generative AI and you think about the opportunities and you start experimenting with the systems that produce this content, it'll be the same journalistic test we've always applied. Can you trust it? And there's a new term floating around with AI, which is called explainability. Can you explain where this came from? So that's new, but the rest of it isn't new. The rest of it remains, can you trust this information? Is it useful? When the Wall Street Journal and the Associated Press started using AI for sports and business news years ago, you know, that was the test they applied. Could you trust it? Was it, you know, verifiable, vetted information? And was it useful to the audience? Then it works, right? 
So if you were going to use AI, and this is sort of my, I guess, pipe dream, is that someday all of the hyper-local news that we have been trying to solve for for 10, 15 years now, right? The, the idea that the internet was going to create this ability to cover news specific to a geography in a very small way. So instead of writing one news story, you're going to write 20 different news stories for 20 different neighborhoods or areas in your market. So AI is going to help us do that. So what's going to be the test on whether we should or not? The test will be, can you verify and trust the information that's contained in those reports? And is it useful to the audience? So it really comes back to the touchstones of journalism and the, the values and the ethics that we've always had. We don't leave them behind. We just move forward with them and start using new technology as we do that. The other angle on this that I think is really important, again, that I haven't really heard too many people talking about yet, and largely because people are still a little bit afraid of getting too far into this with the legal, the copyright, and all the other risks that are inherent. But it's related to the burnout issue that is crippling the news industry right now. So RTDNA and Syracuse did their report a couple weeks ago, found that nine in 10 news directors are struggling with and, and actively trying to solve for burnout in their newsroom. And I have this wild bullish opinion that AI is going to help mitigate some of this and actually potentially partially, quote unquote, save the news industry. Because these jobs have become so demanding. There are so many platforms to publish to. There are so much short staffing because of layoffs. There's the hours are terrible. The pay has never been great. So these are, you know, these are challenging issues to solve as an industry. So what if AI does what we always hope automate? Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST will do and free us from the most annoying and repetitive parts of the job so that people can focus on being more creative, more collaborative, more thoughtful, and less burned out. So to me, there is an urgency around trying to analyze and evaluate and experiment with these generative forms of AI because the burnout crisis is acute and it's happening and it's it's like a wildfire across a lot of organizations right now that needs to get solved and it needs to get solved sooner rather than later so that the industry can remain at least somewhat viable and maybe even have a more promising future what if we're able to do more news more effectively more targeted that resonates more with audiences because of ai all of a sudden, that affects our overall business equation. We now have more consumers, we have more subscribers, we have more audience, and it's a targeted, loyal audience that's you know coming to us because we're a trusted brand instead of all of the AI-generated 
trash that's going to be flooding the internet and already is. So I think there's a real opportunity if you put on some rose-colored glasses, which I wear all the time, you can say that AI is probably going to help the news industry more than it's going to hurt it. And that certainly is my hope. But we can, I think, as an industry, help shape that path by getting going with a lighthouse that's on the promising side of the ocean and not the lighthouse that's on the negative side. So it really is about trying to to have everything break towards the positive side of things instead of just standing on the sidelines and being afraid of what could go wrong. I like seeing AI through the rose-colored glasses that you have on and seeing especially how it might help mitigate the burnout issue. I remember talking to someone recently who was worked in broadcast news for t- over 10 years on the night shift, and that really led him to burnout. And just imagine for people working on night shift, if there is something that could help them automate and make work easier and that could just alleviate his burnout and not have to leave his role in his news industry that he really enjoyed. But the flip side of that is really talking about job displacement and the threat that that brings about with jobs. There's a lot of survey results coming about about how AI can impact the job industry. And there's a lot of concern right now, especially for you've been a journalism professor, teach students journalism for your students that are coming into an industry which has been experiencing a lot of layoffs, the state of for-profit outlets, and are worried about their future right now. Is AI going to be creating new jobs in the newsroom for them? How is that job displacement and shift looking like? To me, AI is not going to be a category of jobs that people are going to target and go into. So there was certainly digital product development became new jobs in the news industry when the internet and then smartphone technology came along. There will be some of those jobs, a very small amount of product jobs, but I I feel like those already exist and people in product jobs will just start using AI. But what AI stands to serve the news industry with is better experiences as news professionals and as journalists which is only going to make the businesses and the companies and the organizations that are doing the news stronger, which then creates more opportunity for more jobs. I feel like it's always going to come back to what we're trying to solve for in the first place with news and journalism, which is the critical information, being the watchdogs of a community, celebrating a community with news and information. And these are just new approaches and potentially new tools to do what we've always tried to do it. But I do feel like the way that AI can change the work, we will get better at that, do it with less burnout, and potentially then create a more promising future for all those journalism students, even if the jobs don't feel incredibly different. So if you're a video editor and you're using AI to go through decades of video archives and you're able to find video faster because of an AI tool you're still a video editor. If you're an investigative reporter who's using an AI tool to scan thousands of documents for critical information, you're still an investigative reporter. So it's not like the AI team over there in the corner is going to do the AI parts of the job and then give it back to the non-AI people. Everybody's going to be an AI worker. Mark Andreessen recently said that every person, this is not news specific, this is every person, (laughs) Someday we'll have an AI assistant 
slash coach, slash mentor, slash trainer, slash advisor, slash therapist. That is, and I love this part, infinitely patient, infinitely compassionate, infinitely knowledgeable, and infinitely helpful. So we talk about rose-colored glasses, right? That's as promising as it can get. But in that world of just thinking about the news industry, those people in the trenches who don't have someone to support them, someone to turn to with a question, someone to turn to with a challenge, someone who can guide them, train them on something new. Hey, I have an idea. I wish I knew how to do this part to put into my newscast or put into my news story. And now AI is there to help you figure it out much faster so that you can do it within the confines of your shift and not have to go to some training pointer for three days. These are nothing against pointer. I love pointer. But the point is, there are going to be different ways that jobs will improve as long as going back to the organizational piece, leadership understands we've got to work hard and understand and embrace this and find the good and really double down on developing people with the use of this technology to be the best people they can be. That's the future I see with AI. It's not replacing, it's assisting. And I think that as a news organization, if you take that approach, you're going to find the ways that it will help you and assist you right now as you go forward and try to get through this uncertain period of time. But I think it all comes back to starting with a positive approach saying, let's find a way to use this today. And if legal and copyright concerns keep us from even thinking about using generative AI in consumer or audience facing forms, that's fine. There's a whole other two buckets that I mentioned of work that you can be doing right now as an organization on automating processes and tasks and on leadership management, coaching and training. How can you use AI for these different tactics, these different demands? Those are the questions that I think organizations should be trying to answer first. I like that idea of having a patient coach for people entering the industry. Do you see institutions kind of having this like knowledge repo that's now helped by AI to get their information out, to support their organization, but then also to get more news out to people? Is that like kind of a future that you've been seeing? Possibly. I think about a pointer workshop I went to in the mid 2000s that was for training the trainers. And so back in the heydays of news organizations, there were, you know, people who had newsroom training jobs and they would all come together at Pointer and we would all, you know, talk about how are we training our newsrooms on how to do better reporting, how to, you know, create more beat development, how to cover government, how to, you know, any one of the many different disciplines and challenges that come with journalism and news, you know, and a lot of those jobs have gone away, most probably. So there's this training element that has disappeared from news. And any of the organizational research you can look at around the development of people, giving them a sense of learning and growth, this is the first way to try to offset that burnout and all the people who have left the industry, you know, of their own accord. So if we can get back to a place where we're training people, I think that they are going to get more out of their job. They'll be more fulfilled. They'll feel like they're at play again. I think though, one of the things that you notice if you've been in newsrooms is that people really like their jobs 
on some days. And those are the days when they feel like they're collaborating. They feel like they're tackling that breaking news story. They feel like they're developing and producing that big scoop. You know, there are times where people are just lit up. The energy in the room is just palpable. And we need to find more of those days. And I think that AI is actually going to help us get there by taking away a lot of the, the drudgery or at least assisting us as we get through some of the drudgery so that we have more time for learning and growth and training and collaboration and creativity. Something as simple as having AI, you know, take your meeting notes for you and send out summaries. You know, does that change your organization? No, but it's a drop in the bucket of like, how are we changing so that we're doing less of the rote practices and tasks that AI can do for us and spending more time being humans and collaborating and leading and training and doing those kinds of things that make us feel like we're really alive and we're really part of this business. And I think that in a strange way, all of these robots and all this technology are going to help us be more human than we've ever been. Yeah. But setting aside that rose-colored glasses for a second, what are you seeing as the biggest limitation for AI right now? that you've been bumping into other than just like, I know the hallucination of AI has been the biggest concern, but other than that, what should newsrooms be keeping in mind in terms of the limitations of AI? That's a difficult question to answer simply because it would need to come with in this situation. Like what is the use case that we're talking about? And if we're talking about generative AI for consumer facing news, then certainly it comes back to where is the, information coming from and the vetting of that information. I believe that what AI is doing, the generative AI tools in terms of using pattern recognition to match words is doing 80% of the work in a lot of cases. And I think as long as people understand that is what you should expect, you should expect 80% at most, there's still 20% human intervention that needs to happen with anything that AI is doing currently, then your expectations, I think, are more accurate and your expectations are less likely to be disappointed. When it comes to the risks, the privacy, the copyright and those kinds of issues, I mean, I feel like real quickly, we all got to the point where the large language model that ChatGPT is built upon is great for some things, but it's not great for proprietary information. It's not great for like, Smith Geiger is an audience research firm primarily. And so we do a ton of audience research for big media companies and local news companies and all kinds of companies. We would love to use ChatGPT to go through these, you know, thousands of open ends on a survey and come up with all this great insight. But we're not going to put our proprietary data and our customers' data into ChatGPT. We are going to build a private, secured, you know, firewalled repository of our own information, then use that chat GPT technology on top of it so that we're protected as we're using the tool to sort through thousands of open ends and find the key insights that's go- that are going to help our customers and our clients. And we're going to save so much time by doing that. So I think it's just a matter of understanding where the technology can work for you. And, you know, obviously where the line is between trying to use it just to be more efficient, but also know where you're going to get yourself in trouble and and take on too much risk. And you know, while on the topic of ChatGPT, 
I want to talk more about tools specifically because I've learned about some tools from you, like Poised, which was an AI-powered communication coach. We were on a Zoom call before and you told me about this and it quickly became my go-to tool for helping me become a more effective communicator. So I really want to know more about what tools are you finding most useful right now that is helping you in your day-to-day tasks? Yeah, I love Poised. And it is interesting how once you get past the first, I think, first report on your Zoom, quote unquote, performance, you understand that there's no ego with the AI. And so when it says things like you sounded tired, you don't get offended when it says things like you talked too fast. You're like, I know. And when it says you use too many filler words, you understand that it's just trying to help you get better. And I think that's important to understand with any of these technologies. Interestingly on that, before I answer your question, they're now developing and already seeing that there will be a poise-like feature for doctors. Imagine this. So you're the patient and the doctor is listening to you with AI and the AI is now going to recommend follow-up questions and the AI is going to recommend what more information do you need? And so, okay, is that Do you want to outsource and replace your doctor with that AI? No. But would you like your doctor to have AI? Probably. And so I think that's a good way to sort of open your mind to the possibilities of, again, how is it going to assist us? It's not going to replace us. I think my favorite tool other than Poised is definitely Oasis, which we did talk about already. But Oasis is a smartphone app that takes your text or I mean your speech or as I call it, my word vomit, and it turns it into really eloquently written prose for a LinkedIn post or a work email or a memo, or it has all these different kinds of outputs that you can choose. And you just speak a few sentences into it. And it produces, you know, many sentences, if not paragraphs on what you were trying to say. Again, it's giving you 80% of the work and you have to expect that you're going to go in and add the 20% and edit it and clean it up and take away some of the hallucinations, which are kind of entertaining, honestly. And um, (laughs) that's probably my favorite other tool right now that I'm using is um, other than maybe the uh, AI DJ on Spotify, which I've also found to be pretty fun. Oh, cool. The AI DJ. Yeah. So every, every Spotify user, if you click on the music button, X is the AI DJ, and he's actually a real employee at Spotify, apparently, and they just synthesize his voice. And then he'll tell you, hey, this is some stuff you've been listening to recently, or hey, this is what you were rocking last summer. And he'll play you some songs from your catalog based on what you've been listening to. So I just got back from a run and I was listening to the DJ on Spotify. So that's kind of fun, too. And, you know, as we wrap up all of these con- this conversation today, what I'm really interested in hearing is looking into the future, how are you seeing AI going to be continually evolving with newsrooms? And where do you see the whole culture of management and leadership evolving towards and incorporating AI as they support their newsrooms through this transformation? I hope that AI forces organizations to finally fully address the cultural and organizational effectiveness challenges that so many have put off to the side for so long. The culture in most newsrooms that I've been in, and I've been in a lot, embrace communication, embrace accountability, embrace trust, all of these aspects that you know, business schools and management consultants would recommend 
until news breaks. And then when there's breaking news or someone else comes in with something more important, they push all that to the side. So the short answer is culture and organizational effectiveness have for too long been a nice to have for news organizations. And I think AI is going to force it to be a must have because I don't believe that organizations are going to be able to fully implement and leverage the power of this once in a generation technology unless they get their house in order with regard to communication and clarity and adaptability. And that's going to take some really hard work for people to change their cultures. I've had the opportunity to basically redesign, blow up and redesign newsroom meetings, editorial daily meetings in 20 plus newsrooms. And I can tell you that in half of those, they just reverted back to their old ways of doing things because the culture, as we know, eats strategy for lunch, a well-known phrase. So as you try to implement any of these AI tools or try to get the organization interested in experimenting and learning which of the tools will work best for which situations, it will require a level of clarity, a level of collaboration, a level of accountability and visibility that frankly, isn't inherent in most news organizations. So for me, it's a really interesting crossroads that news organizations are facing. And that is, you know, can we get the structural organizational pieces in place to actually level up what we do thanks to this new technology? Or are we going to, you know, outsource it or, you know, form a team or a person and expect them to sort it out all for us. But again, until you have that leadership, until you have that culture that can embrace it and really be clear on the benefits and also the risks, you're not going to be able to fully leverage the potential that these tools are going to offer. That was some wise words there. I think, yeah, importance of having a culture in the newsroom and organizational structure is important for us to be able to leverage AI in today's world. And it's been fun looking at AI with the rose-colored glasses that you've had on and hearing all of your thoughts today. And thank you so much for sharing all of those important insights with us and joining us on this exploration of AI in newsrooms. And thank you for joining Newsroom Robots. Thank you so much for having me. This has been very fun and it's been a pleasure talking to you. That was Mark Briggs, the author of the book Journalism Next. This podcast is made possible thanks to the Harvard Innovation Lab Spark Grant. I'm Nikita Roy and this is Newsroom Robots. 